0: Welcome to the Catholic Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Russell, and today is August 15th, 2020. So today I want to go through a bunch of economic data, macro data, and kind of give a preview for what I'm going to be doing in the future here. So I'm going to be doing two shows a week. Uh, One will be focused on this kind of thing, uh, economic news, economic data, uh, and then the other will be focused on the stuff that I've uh, normally been doing, which is... Uh, policy and the uh, application of Catholic social teaching and things like that. So I thought what I would do is put together a bunch of charts and stuff like that, and just kind of go through and discuss uh, kind of my thoughts on some of this uh, information. And so this is just a chart. So Fred, I I love Fred. Fred's a great uh, resource. Um, so it, it kind of is a way to aggregate, it's a, it's a source for aggregation for all kinds of data from a lot of different government sources. Um, and it puts it into these nice charts. So this first one is GDP, because I wanted to kind of get just a general um, overview of what's been happening recently. And so the, the, the thing about GDP, I, I think, you know, the recently, if you've been paying attention to this kind of thing, we, you know, the last two quarters have been, you know, the, the, the quarters that have dealt with the affliction uh, as my friend, Anthony Stein puts it. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get in, in, uh, in trouble with YouTube. So I'm not going to be using the other terms. I'll just use affliction. So, you know, quarter one GDP, if we, if we measure GDP on, on a per capita basis, um, First quarter GDP dropped uh, just under one percent. And then this quarter, or this most recent quarter, second quarter data came out uh, a week or two ago, and we had we saw a drop of almost ten percent. and if you if you look at GDP growth on a, a just a national basis, not on a per capita basis, it fell something like thirty four percent, I think so obviously we know what's ex- what's causing all of this we know that the uh the drop in activity and um the drop in purchases is what created this and so the first thing you need to know is what gdp actually is so gdp is the final value of all goods and services produced in the economy over a certain period of time and by final value what i mean is we we subtract off the intermediate uh value right so if we're producing a coffee mug then the gdp associated with that coffee mug is um is just that final product value we don't we don't count all the transactions that happened in uh, you know the, the raw material stages and stuff like that. So um, GDP has its flaws and, and in a future episode I wanna talk about um, this other measure called gross output that does count all of the stages of production. So I think that's a, a useful measure sometimes. Um, but GDP is the one that everybody talks about. And of course we've seen this big drop in GDP. And, the, and the, really I think the important thing here is uh, to to explain this um kind of uh, well the, the most important thing to explain i think at this point with gdp is the divergence between gdp numbers and the stock market and so obviously we've seen uh the stock market just absolutely going crazy and obviously with having some dips as well um but the stock market is an asset market whereas gdp is a measure of changes in 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 basically what we call national income. So, um, you know, the stock market is measuring the value of companies, the value of the companies that are listed on the exchange specifically. So it's not intended to be a broad measure because it's not measuring anything about activity for firms that aren't listed on those exchanges. Um, and so I think whenever we see a divide, a a big divergence between, Growth, especially this extreme of a of a drop in growth, um, while we see asset markets going going positive big time, I think one way to explain that, especially in the current context, is just simply to say that look, this is a transfer of wealth from main from Main Street to Wall Street. Um, this is this is a uh, this 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 is an indication of the massive destruction of small businesses around the country. And I think I've seen some surveys showing that 22% of them at least will never come back. Uh, people have just given up. Um, and that capital associated with those businesses, right, is being reorganized, right? So the, the, the I guess, libertarian type defense of this would be, well, you know, that, that money's just gonna get invested somehow, you know, some other way, right? Um, and it's like, yeah, it is going to get invested some other way and and all of the you know <laughs> and all of that capital is just going to go uh well, not all of it, but you know that 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 twenty two percent from those businesses right a lot, that, that aren't going to come back, a lot of that capital is going to end up in the hands of the largest, most powerful corporations, and so it's just going to increase their power and control over society, so you know this has been a massive windfall for guys like Jeff Bezos who uh, run these large corporations. And, and so the, I don't want to get into stock market valuation models. I mean, there's a simple model where you just look at, um, you know, the asset value is a function of, uh, future earnings and, uh, the interest rate. Um, but I think the, the, the general story here, the obvious take is that, uh, this whole affliction has really, uh, well, really the, the policy response to the affliction itself actually, um, has has driven capital out of the hands of the main street uh, business and into the hands of these larger uh, businesses. I want to look at industrial production. So I, I kind of the way I'm, I've set this up is just kind of starting with GDP, starting with the big picture, and then breaking down into smaller things. And if you're listening to this on the on the podcast, I'm gonna uh, on the audio just I'm gonna do my best to just kind of explain what's happening. Um, so you don't have to see the, the visuals, but if you're on YouTube, uh, I'm going to make sure this is up on the visuals for you. So, uh, in the industrial production index is, uh, a normal measure we've used for a long time to look at industrial production in the U S and of course, um, just to get this out of the way. And we, we always were always treated to, you know, whenever, whenever people like us complain about, um, manufacturing jobs, leaving the country, et cetera. Um, you know, that gets kind of, uh, translated into a slogan, like, you know, America doesn't make anything anymore. And then of course the opponents of this view are then point out, Oh, well, industrial production is up, you know, uh, way over what it used to be. Uh, it's like, yeah, but it's all being done by robots. So, um, so, you know, industrial production, and it's kind of interesting to see how we had a huge drop in industrial production. I mean, getting us back to the point where we were in, say, January of 2010. Um, so this index in April of 2020 was as low as it was in January of 2010. So that, so in a, in a way, you could say that it sort of wiped out um, about a decade of industrial production capacity, right? Uh, well, not industrial production capacity. Excuse me, it, it wiped out about a decade of industrial production, at least in the short term. There, and we've seen it bounce back. And I, I think what's interesting is, you know, it certainly hasn't bounced back to where it used to be. And I think in 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 the most recent months, so uh, March and April really hit retail super hard. I think. And now I think what we're seeing, at least in some of these numbers, there's some indication that it's, retail has recovered, um, not completely. Obviously, a lot of these uh, small businesses that are just gone forever are retail businesses, uh, you know, small town retail. But um, what, what we're seeing, I think, is a lot of these ripple effects back through the supply chains of all these products um, and of the things that we need, uh, you know, food and stuff like this, I think we're seeing these ripple effects coming back through, and we're starting to see, I think, um, more uh, economic issues that are, that are fundamental to the system. That um, I mean, you can make the argument that the the affliction response just uncovered problems that existed already, um, but you can also, I think, make the case that. Um, the that the the policy itself is what did this, uh, so sure, there's the argument out there that you know we you know the, the, that Americans need to be less materialistic and we need to buy things less. yeah, I agree with all of that, uh, but the people who make those things also need to be able to make a living uh, and so it's it's um it it is a it is a concern. So another thing to point out here is that it's kind of interesting how we were kind of sliding down here from 2015 into 2016 and kind of flattening out with this industrial production index. And then, uh, we kind of get the, this, uh, surge in industrial production index, uh, starting in 2017, uh, late 16 and 2017. And I think part of that might be just a a response to, uh, 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 you know, promises and I think delivery in some ways of uh, more pro-America uh, industrial type policies. For, for instance, just refusing to sign uh, the TPP way back uh, at the very end of 2016, early 2017. Um, I mean, so, you know, people can talk about the fact that they don't like Trump because he's not doing everything that they want him to do. But uh, my goodness, just not signing the TPP was massive. Um Okay, so let's flip to uh, the initial claims number. So this, this uh, initial claims is uh, jobless claims. Um, and so you can see obviously back a few months ago uh, in March, you know, this, this spiked from kind of, you know, the normal number, which is right around, you know, 200,000, a little more than 200,000. It's kind of been the normal number for the last five, six years. And then we have this massive uh, increase yeah, at the end of March, of, of six uh, six point eight million jobless claims, uh, initial claims. So this is like you know people. I'm 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 unemployed today. Like today, I'm coming into the unemployment office because I uh, have lost my job. Um, and so this is you know this isn't how many people are unemployed. This is the the jobless claims. This is the initial claim of being out of work. So. The, we had this big spike and for, let's see, a couple weeks here, uh, you know, 3.3 million March 21st and then March 28th, the 6.8 million. And then it starts to tail off a little bit. Uh, And this, this past week um, we were expecting, so uh, just to give a little background, Normally, when we're talking about these economics numbers for these big indexes and stuff like this, or these, these big series like initial claims and stuff, we often have uh, some expectation of what, of what those numbers are going to be, right? We have analysts and all these uh, you know, financial institutions that are trying to predict what, what that number is going to be. Uh, and then, and then we sort of retreated to this binary response. You know, if if the if the average expectation was, uh, you know, ten, and we come in at eight, you know, then then sort of the markets and uh, policymakers will react to that. Okay, well, was that, uh, you know, was that, you know, we got eight instead of ten? Is that good or bad? I mean, you know, why is it? Why did? Why were the predictions off and all of this? And in this particular case, uh, I believe the average was something like, uh, the average prediction was something like, um, 1.4 million, uh, initial claims. Uh, and instead we got, uh, 963,000. So of course that's bad. Of course, 963,000 is still, uh, you know, three or four times, uh, well, four or five times what we normally get for jobless claims, uh, in a normal week. But the fact that we were, uh, well below the average prediction, I think potentially that shows us that some of these policies are working. Uh, some of the, um, the the PPP loans from the CARES Act, uh, essentially Trump bucks for businesses. Some of that might be working in the sense that it, you know people are coming back to work. I think potentially there is uh, there's there's some effect from the, um, the expiration of the unemployment bonus uh, dollars. So the CARES Act gave us an extra $600 a week for anyone who was unemployed uh, from the federal government. And because that expired at the end of July, I think maybe there's, um, th- there's, there's a little bit more hiring activity going on. Um, and, and so maybe that's why we saw, part of the reason why we saw this drop in initial claims. So related to that, obviously, is the unemployment rate, and we have seen the, the unemployment rate come down. Um, nothing too exciting because we're still above the unemployment rate in uh, you know two thousand nine, two thousand ten. We're still uh, doing worse than then. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into some more labor stuff, but just the overall unemployment rate has come down. And again, I think you know part of this uh, is just because the the PPP. Uh, has worked in the sense that it's, it's, it's injected a lot of liquidity into uh, a lot of mainstream businesses. And, and of course we don't, you know, we don't want those PPP grants and loans going to larger businesses like uh, Amazon or whatever, but Hey, you know, I guess sometimes in policy, you know, we're taking the good with the bad and at least the good is, um, you know, small town USA or whatever, or, or small business. Uh, labor force participation rate. So this is, so labor force, partici- unemployment statistics are kind of confusing until you know uh, what, how they're calculated. So the labor force participation rate is the percentage of people that are in what's called the labor force. Uh, so in other words, they're either working now or they are searching for work. Okay. So, those two groups of people make up the labor force. They make up the labor force. And labor force participation rate says okay, how many people are either working or looking for work as a percentage of the total population um, over a certain age? And I believe it's either 16 or 18, something like that. And so you can see labor force participation obviously is going to drop right after uh, sort of the affliction uh, response, right? Uh, somewhat of a drop in March and then a huge drop in April. Um, and so this is where you have to sort of be careful about looking at unemployment rate statistics because the unemployment rate is, um, is really calculated off of the labor force, not off of the total population. So the labor force is the denominator in the unemployment calculation. So, we have seen a bounce back and then a little bit of a tailing off of labor force participation rate. Uh, It it bounced back, I don't know, about a third of where it had dropped to. So in, you know, February of this year, we were at 63.4% labor force participation. So 63.4% of the more or less adult population of the U S was either working or looking for work. And this, what's interesting about this series, I think is, is looking at it prior to right now, um, this, the labor force participation rate was declined during and after the great recession and did nothing but decline after that. So this is, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, we were talking about, uh, the Obama policies and all of these people being added to the, um, the, uh, the uh, food assistance roles and, and all of this type of thing. Um, and, and so labor force participation rate has done nothing but decline until uh, sort of flattening out in 14, 15 range. Um, and then again, it started it started to tick up uh, after Trump was elected and after he got put in office, I think, uh, so you, you kind of look here in 19, there's a little bit of a potential here for it, it to start rising again and then boom the affliction and the policy response hits and now we're dropping off a cliff in labor force participation so and, so from a catholic social teaching angle you know obviously we we don't like the idea that you know everybody's just a wagey or whatever but at the same time we do we do want to recognize the dignity of work we want people to um, we want people to to have we want people to work for the things that are going to sustain them, uh, and so on that topic, I, I split this out um, into some of the age ranges and stuff. So, the labor force participation rate for what we call the prime age. Okay, so these are I'm I'm, I'm trying to give you some 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 glossary in this. The prime age is 25 to 54 years when we're talking about labor statistics, uh, and so obviously that age range is going to be a lot higher overall percentage uh, participation, right? So those people between the ages of 25 and 54 who are either working or looking for work as a percentage of the total population between the ages of 25 and 54. Uh, so we have been as high as 80% or 83%. Uh, and again, we can see this trend, you know, things started to tick up a little bit during 16 right so at the end of the obama administration but trump was able to kind of just continue that rise to to very strong levels i mean if we look at this historically uh just and pull this back even to the 80s obviously you know labor force participation during um the 90s and stuff like this was higher than it is now but you can see uh, on this graph that, you know, the great recession was horrible for this, this particular index. So labor force participation among prime age, right. Among people who we would think would be working right by the time you're 25, you, you you know, you should be kind of uh, starting to sort of build your Potter familias, right. You should be able to be uh, out there um, kind of hope ideally, right. Building your, um, building your, uh, your life on your own. Uh, and you know, up until age 54, uh, you know, maybe after that you're, you're going to retire early or something like that. Or, uh, maybe by that point you're, you're injured and you, you aren't able to work anymore. But during that time period, 25 to 54, uh, again, is that prime age, and and we saw that just did nothing but drop, um, kind of in, in, well, kind of in line with the unemployment rate, uh, for several years after the Great Recession, then it flattens out and starts to get a little more positive. And, and we're back to, uh, well, before the affliction policy anyway, we were back to uh, you know things we saw kind of during the Great Recession uh, before, before there was really a response to the Great Recession itself in terms of this index. So I think um, potentially seeing some green shoots, we at least bounce back off of that low in April and things have improved a little bit. And we're starting to see things drop again in July. I'm not really sure what's going on there, um, but uh, it's gonna be an interesting thing to watch. So I, I wanted to continue this sort of labor force uh, discussion. So this is the, well, well, I don't know how they, why they call this activity rate, but it's it's sort of like um, the labor force participation rate. But in this case, I've broken it down for males uh, in the prime age range, right? So these are like people we would expect to be, uh, you know, working and sort of, again, building that family life. And again, we see a similar trend here, uh, kind of things starting to improve in 2016, coming out of the, the, the very long uh, Great Recession things starting to improve and then continuing to improve after 2017 Uh, and then again with the affliction, just dropping off a cliff. And um, so again, this, uh, this index was in in February, it was at 89%, 89 89.3% of prime age males in the U S were sort of part of that labor force. So, again uh this index has been much higher in the past but for for different reasons um but i think again this is uh, some interesting green shoots here and i think it's it's good to see those but i i'm a little concerned because um, you know gdp we are just now seeing i think how bad the gdp numbers are going to be and i think next quarter um we'll, we'll probably officially be in a recession because um uh, you know, we'll, have, we'll probably have another uh, negative growth uh, number for, for uh, quarter three. Uh, as much as, uh, you know, and, and I'm not a macroeconomist. I'm not an expert in all of this. This isn't my, my area, um, but I, I guess I know enough to at least uh, do some interpretation of the statistics here, uh, kind of on a basic level, but I'm not, I'm not going to be building, uh, you know, fancy models or anything. Um, labor force participation among men in general, again, same pattern, uh, we were at 69.3% in February and we've dropped off to, uh, 67, um, recently. Uh, now this is, this is another, <laughs> this is something interesting I wanted to share. So we kind of see over the short term here, a similar kind of trend for, uh, women, prime age women, and again, prime age in terms of the labor force uh, is 25 to 54 range. And we can see it just in general, labor force participation for women, uh, the same kind of trend here where, again, declining after the uh, Great Recession and then starting to build back, um, although it, at completely different numbers. So the, the labor force participation for women is, it was at 57.8% in February, whereas for men, it was at 69.3. So it's, it's much different in terms of overall levels. Um, but, you know, once you, once you dig back in time here a little bit, so let's go back to 1970, you can see uh, kind of women starting to enter the workforce here uh, in the 70s and stuff like this. And so labor force participation among women just climbing rapidly through the 70s and 80s um, and, and into the nineties really, and kind of peaking out, uh, in the early two thousands, kind of with the, the numbers for men and the overall numbers. Um, but this, this reminds me of something my doctor said to me the other day, I was in for a checkup and she said, uh, you know, the, the, the U S started to have problems with obesity around the time when women entered, uh, started entering the, the workforce, you know, and so you have, um, you know, we, we, re, this is right around the same time we get the idea of hamburger helper and these, uh, sort of instant, uh, kind of bread based pasta based meals. Um, and, um, so <laughs> it was kind of, kind of interesting to have your doctor make a statement like that. But, um, I, I think, you know, again, this, it, is it a bad thing that labor force participation among women is going down? I mean, that's dependent on your, your perspective, I guess, but, uh, to me there's a short and a long-term component to this. So, I mean, do, do I want more single earner, uh, families? Absolutely. Yes. Um, the, the pain is in the transition and, and and how we do that and, and how policy is going to help us do that. So, um, I, you know, obviously I would like to see, uh, a little more policy guided directly to that. And obviously there are other episodes of the show um, explicitly talking about that kind of thing. So, uh, but anyway, that's where we're at. And I think that the trends are similar for the, for women's labor force participation as it is for men's um, but just at different levels. Let's see. What else did I put in here? Ah, okay. So here is where I wanted to do a little deeper dive into um, the data on, but by, by industry. And unfortunately, the data that I wanted to look at, the gross output data has not come out for, um, for the second quarter yet. So in a future kind of, uh, I guess, numbers episode, I will talk about that. But um, I, as a proxy, I wanted to dig into the employment data. And, and the thing about employment data is that we, we, get, um, we get this a lot more frequently. And so what I've done is I've taken, uh, the BLS table, a 14. So this is, uh, the, the household survey. Uh, this is where we get our unemployment numbers. Um, and it's monthly, it's a monthly survey. So these are unemployed persons by industry and class of worker, uh, not seasonally adjusted. So these are just the kind of the raw numbers for, um, this index. And so table A14 is a, is a good one, I think for this because we get to see this kind of industry breakout. And what I've done is I've taken April because as, as we've seen here, April has been the low point for a lot of these employment statistics. So I grabbed the April 2020 data um, number of employed persons and an unemployment rate by industry again. Uh, and I grabbed it for July as well. So the most recent data compared to, you know, what, what we hope, w- you know, will be the bottom, uh, in terms of a lot of this stuff. And so then what I did was I put it into this nice little table here. Let's see if I can kind of plus up the size of this thing, but anyway, um, let's see here. Zoom. There we go. So what, what I did was I just kind of grabbed that data from table A14 and I just split it out between those two months so we could compare. And then I computed the difference and the percentage difference. Um, so the, this is the unemployment rates. So in April of 2020, uh, the total unemployment rate for people 16 and over was 14.4%. And in July, it was 10, 10 and a half percent. And so over that period we had an improvement or a drop in the unemployment rate of 3.9%. Uh, if we do, uh, just a simple, uh, you know, 10.5 divided by 14.4 minus one, that's 27%. So kind of final minus initial divided by initial sort of calculation. Uh, that was a 27% drop from 14.4 to 10.5. Uh, it's a little confusing cause obviously these are percentages too, but you know, whatever, just ignore that. Um, so then we we start to break this down. So this is total, fourteen point four and ten point five. The non-agricultural private industry, uh, the unemployment rate was as high was was fifteen point six percent in April and it has dropped to ten point six in July. Um, so then we start to dive into the different industries here. Um, and so what what I think we're seeing is we're seeing improvement. Uh, In a lot of these sectors, but we're also seeing um, other economic winds blowing and causing problems. So like this first one, mining, quarrying and oil and gas extraction, uh, that unemployment rate has gone up from April to July. And so, again, this is I think this is a prime example of where we're seeing this uh, this this um, kind of ripple effect of the retail impact of the affliction and the affliction policy, uh, the shutdown and all of that. So because people have stopped driving essentially, uh, or it has slowed down so significantly that a lot of this oil and gas extraction has slowed down. Um, and so in April, uh, oil and gas extraction was doing better. Now it's doing much, much, much worse. Um, and potentially mining and querying, I, you know, Uh, maybe there's a lot less building going on. I mean, we can see in construction, the, uh, unemployment rate shot up to 16.6%. Um, so potentially some of that mining and quarrying is going into, uh, you know, cement and stuff like that. And, uh, we're, we've seen an improvement in the construction unemployment, but it's still very high. Uh, so it's kind of the interaction between these two things. This one I think is interesting as well here is durable versus non-durable goods manufacturing. So this, this is uh, manufacturing overall, and then a breakdown into durable and non-durable goods manufacturing. So durable goods manufacturing unemployment was uh, shot way up in April to 15.1. And, and it's still high at 8.4% in July, but non-durable goods it's kind of interesting. It, it didn't shoot up as high. Um, so it was only 10.2% unemployment in April, but it's still at nine. So it really hasn't improved these non-durable goods manufacturing. So again, this is potentially this indication that, uh, you know, the retail thing hasn't, you know, it's picked up the, the retail itself has picked up, but the, the production of the goods hasn't. Um, and so, you know, just, just to speak to a couple of these different things. So, uh, in terms of non-durable goods, so, you know, you've seen, um, uh, a lot of, uh, soda and water. I mean, some of these things, some of these, you know, the the companies have kind of, uh, restricted the the different types of soda that they're making. This is one headline I saw. Um, and so they're kind of, they're kind of restricting that because they're having a hard time getting aluminum, uh, and, and things like that. Durable goods, my goodness. Uh, you know, you cannot find a kid's bicycle. Uh, You can sell your bicycle for a fortune uh, on Facebook marketplace right now because, uh, it's just, they're just, they're just not there. Um, the, uh, friend of mine, uh, runs a car dealership in a small town and they, they, they don't have any cars. They don't have any new cars. Their, their lot is almost empty of new cars because they just simply cannot get them from the, uh, from, uh, from their manufacturer. Now I think part of that is manufacturing, but I think what's also really interesting here is we, we're also seeing transportation, uh, unemployment is still very high and actually ticked up from April to July. It went up. Um, so 13.5% in April and 13.8 in July. So again, we're seeing again, these, these ripple effects of the, of the affliction shutdown is the, I mean, uh, you know, obviously we can, uh, these, these factories can produce durable goods, but if we can't get them to the retail location, then did we actually produce them? I mean, what's the point? Um, so it's kind of interesting there. I think information as well has ticked up. So that's kind of an interesting thing to see, seen some improvement in some of these services areas. So, um, financial activities, professional business services, and education and health services, those have improved in terms of unemployment especially with, you know, we think with health services, uh, improving, um, as, as the hospitals and stuff have allowed normal, uh, things to go on. Uh, we're seeing those uh, those numbers improve in terms of unemployment, but um, they have not improved as much as some of these other things like the hospitality, uh, you know, hotels and this type of thing. That employment was absolutely horrendous uh, in April. 39.3% is massive, and we're still at 25%, but But hey, uh, you know, we've seen a a pretty significant improvement there, even though things are just still very, very, very bad um, in that sector. Then we look over here at government, uh, self-employed workers. Again, you know, we saw them rise. We saw that unemployment rise pretty significantly, but um, it it didn't go as high as really uh, almost anything in the private sector. Um, And of course, uh, obviously, you know, any kind of problem like this, Uh, the financial sector is doing just fine. (laughs) They, uh, in terms of unemployment, they really didn't get hurt at all. Um, and I imagine almost all of that was probably in, uh, the smaller financial institutions like your local bank and stuff like that. So, uh, there's my dry run on me going through some data. And I thought it would be interesting to just look at some of this stuff. Um, I had some questions on Twitter, like, um, you know, I, one of the questions I got was why, uh, why are we seeing inflation? Uh, you know, with, with all of this money printing and, you know, I don't have a great answer for this because again, I'm not a macro guy. I'm not a money guy. Um, you know, some people are calling this a win for MMT, uh, which I, I think is just uh, insane. I, I think MMT is nonsense, but, um, I'm going to have a show dedicated to MMT very soon here. And, um, the, my, my, my general idea with this is that we're not seeing consumer price inflation. What we're seeing is inflation in asset markets. So all of this money printing is going in to the system and instead of showing up in, um, you know, the CPI or, uh, you know, some, some measure of inflation uh, that what we normally call inflation, which is consumer price inflation, um, it's, it's showing up in asset markets. So, um, that's my view on that. I think I answered the other questions as I went through here. So, um, you know, feel free to leave a message on anchor or, uh, hit me up on social media or send me an email. My email is in the show notes as well. Uh, but thanks for listening.